0: My name's Travis Sims, and I am the founder and CEO of AGC Accelerated Global Connections.
1: And this is the AGC Experience. Our lives are a series of choices. Each choice leads to a result. Would you like to easily know which choices are the right life choices for you? If you've never met Amy Tyson, owner of Infinity Life Design, make it a priority to connect with her. Amy is a master of feng shui and bat zi, which she calls destiny analysis. She assists her clients in understanding the hidden forces that are influencing their lives. A destiny reading with Amy is like reading a book all about you. She highlights which decisions will bring you to your fullest potential, and which choices will lead you down a path of obstacles. If you're struggling with a challenge or you want to lift your life even higher, get connected with Amy and Infinity Life Design on facebook.com infinitylifedesign or subscribe to her online newsletter at infinitylifedesign.com and connect with your infinite life.
0: LinkedIn profile, you could see some business accomplishments. Um, Some things that I'm really proud of, um, because frankly, all of them uh, happened once I got sober. Um, In a nutshell, I was in the motorcycle industry since I was 20 years old. Um, Started off on a little order desk uh, for a national distributor in the motorcycle industry. And uh, from a simple decision of saying, yeah, I'll take this job instead of being a security guard, uh, developed a career where my last position was uh, National Director of Dealer Business Development for an international motorcycle helmet and apparel company. Um, All pretty cool. Some of the most wonderful people I've ever met ride motorcycles. But as great as that career has been, more importantly, the fact that uh, I was able to go from a person who hated himself and hated the entire world, and again, I just basically uh, took all that self-hate and uh, spooed it all over the place and uh, put a little cherry on the top. I was blaming everyone. I wasn't taking any self-responsibility. If there was any problems, it was never my fault. It was people, places, and things. And uh, so we're going to focus on really more so than anything else what it takes a person to go from being hateful to being grateful to being able to have a change in perception And realize that uh, when it really comes down to it, no one else is responsible for the quality of your life but yourself. So, again, a lot of this, yes, is mindset, but you can't think your way into right living. you got to live your way into right thinking. And uh, that's another key component of this. Um, But, yeah, it does begin with how you see yourself and how you see the world. Um, I call that part of the personal development identity. You know, and as I touched on before, how I was blaming people, places, and things for my problems, Even though I had no idea that I was perpetually being a victim, I was. And, again, it would, and, and what took to change that, I was going to a meeting, and uh, it was a group of younger people. There was a young lady, um, she got drunk, she had sex with someone, and uh, she was regretful. Well, she was shameful. Uh, she was resentful towards the person who uh, she had sex with. She was blaming him for the encounter. And uh, anyway, as she was speaking in the meeting, um, I didn't hear alcoholism. I just concluded, "Hey, this isn't a real drunk. This is just a teenager who had sex." You know, and she's not happy about it. So um, I didn't see see anyone even close to who I am. Right. At the time, I was forty-three years old. You know, I could have been her dad. I uh, had no empathy, no sympathy, um, and I also heard a young man who was going on and all about. You know, I wrecked my car and stuff. And again, he was about the same age, high school age, and i uh, wasn't able to relate to him at all. So I used these people as an excuse to tell my sponsor at the time, that my, which if you're not familiar with recovery, that's that you're basically your mentor, the person that uh, can help you through the unforeseen difficulties. And his name is Bob. And I uh, went, Bob, you know, I don't want to go to this meeting anymore. Bob asked me why. And I said, these people, they're not anywhere like me. Uh, they're kids, and they're just getting drunk, and they're doing things that high school kids do. You know, these aren't real alcoholics. Bob came back with, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe there's nothing that these people have in common with you. Why don't we go one more time? Prove me wrong. So let's listen closely. And let's see if there's similarities instead of differences. So, yeah, I like being right. I wanted to prove Bob wrong. So we went to the meeting one more time. And uh, those people were there. And because those were pressing issues, they were weighing very, very heavily on them, they, they shared again. But this time, the young lady, when she was talking about her intense shame, I remember what it was like to be so ashamed. I never wanted to show my, my face again in school. I remember what it was like to just think that my life is ruined and uh, there's no coming back from this. And the young man who wrecked his car, well, somewhere along the line, I got amnesia. And I forgot what it was like to wreck my first car. Well, actually, being a lifetime drunk, there was a couple of cars. But, uh, yeah, I forgot what it was like to think that, uh, yeah, you know, that moment of liberation, of freedom, of thinking, yeah, I got a car. I can go wherever I want. I can do what I want. I'm somebody today. Well, yeah, all of a sudden, few moments. That's all gone. My life is shattered. And I had to go back to, you know, being less than others. I had to ask for rides, take the bus to work and such. And yeah, again, I thought my life was ruined. And well, after the meeting, Bob and I had talked and yeah, I shared these things and he said, Okay, yeah, well good. Glad you saw that. But maybe it was a fluke. Let's come back again. See you next week. So maybe Those people aren't like you at all. Well, the reason why I share this story with you and and such is one of the most key things that changed my life was going from seeing how I was terminally unique. There was no one else like me. My pain, my suffering, my misery. That ain't me. That's all of us. We all go through pain and suffering. We all have moments when we're afraid about the future, when we're indifferent, we're apathetic, we're just, I don't know, doing our best to survive we're just kind of burned down on life uh, you know regret resentment all those things every human being goes through moments of those but I think the one that's really really common and it is the one thing that not just slowed me down and these people I was just sharing about is shame shame is that It's that rust on the inside that's eating up us on the inside. It's how we're slowly dying inside and we feel empty. There's a hole in our soul. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're certain that we have blown it, that our life's ruined. We can never come back from what we're ashamed of. And it leads to things like feeling you're not good enough. You're incapable. Um, well, gosh, in my case, to offset that shame, it led me to being arrogant. It led me to thinking I was better than other people. It led me to being a jerk. Well, there's a lot of other words, but we'll, we'll keep it family friendly today. But um, yeah, to offset me feeling like I was less than everyone, I took a lot of effort. Probably all the effort every day to prove to myself and to the world that I wasn't as big of a loser as I thought I was. And all in all, did okay. As I said, my career was doing all right. Um, The things I mentioned here, again, happened in sobriety, but you don't get those opportunities, um, you know, digging ditches. Uh, I was in the motorcycle industry. I was doing okay in each of my roles, despite the fact that I got drunk and high. Every day. But in the motorcycle industry, it's kind of okay to be that way. Um, played in bands, um, got my self esteem helped up there, um, played all over the West Coast, predominantly in the San Francisco Bay Area, Las Vegas. Um, where again, that kind of behavior, that's okay. Um, actually, it's encouraged that recklessness, that self destructive lifestyle and such, that's what the musicians do, that's what the people that follow musicians do, that's what, in you know, my mind was making me cool. Um, and it was just rationalization, it was just justification for behavior that uh, was trying to kill the pain. And uh, I think that's really, in my story, and I think for others, killing the pain is really the cause for things that we call addictions and to be a little more specific what i see in addiction is is a type of behavior that anyone does to make them feel better whether they're feeling low feeling they're high but they and again whatever exactly the way they're doing it um, if it's again sex drugs and rock and roll um, some people it's materialism for some it's success They think if they're going to be very successful in their endeavors, they're making a bunch of money. They're proving to themselves in the world and stuff. They're not less than anyone else. And uh, they, they have some success with it. It works just like for myself, getting high all the time, getting reckless and and such. It, it really kind of worked. Not kind of, it did. It was able, a good, good, sustainable way to kill the pain until it didn't. And then because I didn't know anything else, I perpetuated it. So that's really the other thing. We, do, we find some kind of co- a sense of relief, some kind of comfort when we're uncomfortable, when we want to feel different. And uh, we keep going on with it despite the consequences, despite the negative consequences. Um, again, for myself, despite being a jerk, which obviously doesn't really allow for you to have any good relationships. When you feel better than someone else, when you feel less than someone else. There's just no way that you can have vulnerability. But frankly, I've found over the last 14 years of my sobriety and such, vulnerability, honesty, humility. If you're courageous enough to practice fearless vulnerability, which means just getting honest with yourself and another human being, yeah, that's, that's the kind of stuff that forms relationships and that forms connection. And again, it's this, this group is about connecting with other people about listening, helping each other, doing what we can to let people know that what they offer into this world is valuable. So that's another one of my things and stuff. I found that when I continued on doing things that I thought were meaningless, I thought my life was meaningless. Eventually, I concluded I was meaningless. Well, in recovery, you basically just do contrary action. You know, at least in the beginning you want to get high don't you want to yell at your wife don't you don't want to go to a meeting go to the meeting you don't want to go to work go to work i think you can catch on here and such it's basically just the other end of the spectrum and such because your previous actions were were leading to consequences that you you know regret you resent, you you're burned out and, and stuff and anxiety of the future because you know, the way things are going there from, from bad to worse. You do the opposite. And probably the one that took the most courage for me was getting open and honest with another person. Um, see, I was, my bottom wasn't when I got sober. My bottom happened about seven eight months into it. And I was suicidal as it was talked about by Karen and stuff. I, Concluded that I couldn't do life as a sober man. I couldn't do life as a drunk. I couldn't do life I had concluded that my worst of fears the person that I'd put down countless times to lift myself up. I Was him. I'm a loser and uh, Yeah, so the only consequence really was was suicide, but I was very very fortunate James uh, heard me heard my desperation And he asked me he goes Randy if you can't love yourself, can you at least let God love you? Gritted my teeth. And I said, Yeah, I guess that's not too big of a request to ask. So he followed up with a good. Can you let your God love? Can you let God love you through this fellowship? And that one, I didn't really understand the entire implications, but I knew what that meant was I was going to have to practice fearless vulnerability. But frankly, that's what happened. And I I wish that it was a light switch and it was a straight line after that. It was all downhill. Um, it wasn't um, because I was basically as mature as I was when I started using habitually, which was 13 years old. I was a punk. I was a 43, 44-year-old man who had the emotional maturity of a kid. And when you said, will you let God love you, I basically figured, well, if you love me, you'll... Do what I want. You know, you really love me, you'll buy me a pony. Yeah, we love you and you're not getting your pony. And such. Uh, but but people love me, they were present for me, they, they uh, helped me out when I couldn't love myself and I couldn't be present. Um, so what it leads to is after, you know, a while of understanding who I was and, and got clarity and confidence that uh, I couldn't do it alone. Then I had to go through the next section, which is really about integrity. And Integrity means a lot of things for a lot of people, but in this situation, uh, integrity is just meaning being true with what you say. And, you know, of course, your thoughts come in there as well. You know, before I say a single word right now, there's a, a millisecond of thought before these words come out. Just I had to realize that I maybe might have to give it a couple more seconds before something comes out of my mouth and uh, throughout the day to kind of keep myself in balance. Um, just asking myself when I wasn't so emotional, and wasn't so overwhelmed, uh, hey, what's really going on right now? You know, what's your motivation? Um, again, use the God word. and start, Where's God in all this? These types of things helped me you know, expand upon and grow my clarity and my confidence and the consistency of being able to live. At first, it was without booze. But again, it allowed me to go through and through a personal examination, a process of self discovery that I uh, evolved from recovering hope to eventually discovering faith. Not just necessarily in, in God, and I do believe in God. but more so, I started having faith in those people around me and increased the faith that I could think for myself and make good decisions. Uh, and eventually, over the course of time, I crossed an invisible line, and I eventually learned to trust. I learned to trust God, the people in my inner circle, and, and most of all, I could trust myself again. And I realized, yeah, I still make mistakes, but we all do but they don't have to be framed up in the same way as I did before and looked at them as failure. You know, these, these are opportunities to learn. So really what, what I'm getting at here is um, through this, um, I've just taken the position of being a student. Uh, I love learning. I love researching uh, all types of topics. But uh, you know, pertaining to what's evolved out of here, uh, I've been a student of it initially was a student of what it takes to stay sober. Uh, And then I realized a lot of it has to do with human nature. It's a lot more than just a specific problem, again, like getting wasted every night. Um, It's how do I navigate through life? Well, again, one of the other things is having people that you can rely on. It begins with just having one person you can trust, that you can share things like, I don't think I want to live anymore. Now, maybe it might not necessarily be that dramatic. It might, though. I think certainly times right now and, and such, uh, I have more than one conversation a day with people that are very desperate, and um, over the course of the time, they open up and, and say things like that. Some type of thing that I can see from being less personal in the matter and stuff could lead to un, unintended consequences, It could be self-sabotage and unfortunately it may lead to something that they could never ever reverse they may wind up creating a situation that they can't come out of that downward spiral that bottom is so deep that they feel it's impossible to come out of so really what i want to do is help people be a little more proactive about it before they get so desperate so you know in their mind helpless and hopeless and without any type of strategy or plan to, to get out of this hole. I want them to, to again, be able to see themselves and realize that um, to offset that feeling of desperation and that hopelessness, feeling your life is not worth anything. Well, again, you can't think your way into right living. You've got to live your life into right thinking. And what I mean by that is when you start doing things that are meaningful to you, you start realizing over the course of time, like, yeah, I can help people. My life is meaningful. I can make a contribution to this world. Okay? And eventually, over the course of time, when you realize what you're doing is meaningful and it's helpful for other people, then you start realizing that your life, you as a human being, you are meaningful. You're, there's, there's a purpose for living. There's a purpose for all the things that I've gone through, all the impossible moments. I just could not imagine what it was going to be like. Um, but now I do. This recovery was not for myself. It's for others. Um, I could go on and on. And frankly, if I didn't have a timer, I probably would. And so, so I'm grateful for the opportunity to meet all of you. I'm grateful to talk with you a little bit more. But yeah, what this program's about is helping people go from hateful to grateful to find meaning and purpose in their life and most of all what that does is not just find it but to live it out so again karen thank you for allowing me to be part of the group i look forward to meeting you all in just a few moments